Baker Mayfield, undraftable, off my board. The Cleveland Browns select Baker Mayfield. Welcome into the OBR Film Breakdown. I'm your host, Jake Burns. Busy day in Berea. A lot of different things going on. We're going to preview the Cardinals here in just a little bit. But want to fill you in on some of the things you may not have known came out of, out of practice today. Uh, an extensively long list of injuries as we expected after the Browns went through the circus of injuries in the game and post-game, all the above. So Nick Chubb with a calf, Clowney with an elbow, and new knee injury, which is a development that happened in the game pregame situation jack conklin with the knee miles garrett knee and ankle did not practice kareem hunt also with a wrist knee designation didn't practice tack mckinley with an ankle knee designation didn't practice najoku with a knee malcolm smith with the abdomen that held him to three snaps didn't practice and jc treader with his traditional usually he's been limited but today he didn't practice so that's the list of guys who did not par- participate in practice. Then from a limited standpoint, A.J. Green with a shoulder knee designation, Malik Jackson with a knee designation, Malik McDowell with an, oh, leading the team here with a three-part designation, elbow, foot, and neck uh, limited in practice, Greg Newsom limited in practice, Denzel Ward with a neck, Greedy Williams, shoulder and knee, and Jed Williams limited. So that's quite the cast. On the other side of the spectrum for the Cardinals, Big names, uh, including the running back, Chase Edmonds with the shoulder, has limited his availability. DeAndre Hopkins, we'll see. I would imagine he will play. Jordan Hicks with the toe issue. Rodney Hudson, rib shoulder. He's already been ruled out. We'll talk with our guest on why that's a big deal for the Cardinals missing their center. Byron Murphy with a rib injury. He didn't practice. Uh, Tanner Vallejo didn't practice. Other than that, not a big list. Not as extensive as Cleveland is. Kyler Murray is also with a right shoulder limited designation, but seems clearly fine. Uh, yeah, a lot of injury things going on. JOK touched on his throat contusion that happened in the first quarter where the helmet pushed down into his neck, which made him uncomfortable for a couple, came off the field for a couple plays, said it was uncomfortable, got it back, his feet back under him, played over 60 snaps, was fine. They took him to the hospital to make sure nothing was swollen in there, restricting airways or any swollen lungs as a byproduct of that. So that's a big piece to come out, you know, kind of understanding why they sent him to the hospital, super precautionary, as you would expect. Otherwise, not a ton of things to come out. We, you know, John Johnson talked about uh, why he took on the green dot, obviously because of Anthony Walker coming back, thinking they were going to split time with Malcolm Smith. Like, they knew he could handle it. Kevin Stefanski talked about how it was a topic of discussion for them in the spring. They weren't quite ready to do it. They felt this was a good time to do it because of the Smith and Walker injuries and kind of working those guys back in. They claim none of the miscommunications came because of that. They wouldn't say it if it did, but they said nothing came of it. And, you know, JOK and Walker, all of them mentioned it was fine, that the communication from from, uh, John Johnson was fine. There was no issues. So we got to believe what they say. It is new. We're going to have to track this as we go and see if any lingering issues with this group happen due to this change, you know, we only have one game of evidence and we saw several busted coverages. You wonder if that's a part of it. We, you know, kind of got confirmed it wasn't today, but you never know, you know, not always the most transparent with the organization 
and uh, the media and, and all of that. There's some things you want to keep in-house. We'll see if uh, anything changes with that. An indicator would be if the green dot switched again back to a linebacker. So keep your eye on that. Uh, otherwise, not much else. Baker talked to Drew Stanton. It was kind of revealed that he was the guy that he went to after the rough Vikings outing, talking to Stanton about some of his uh, issues with mechanics and things like that that could have led him to some uh, mistakes in that Vikings game, whatever way you want to look at it. But other than that, talked about you know his the, the thing with Odell and dropping that fourth and two ball where they just sort of weren't on the same page. Odell looked to the uh, flat where he saw Baker pump, and, and by that time he looked back, the ball was on him. That was an interesting quote because I thought it was true. Odell's eyes weren't on Baker the whole time. He was trying to find that find that passing window, right? So, uh, you know, that part was interesting to me too, a little bit there with finding that passing window and eyes and connecting. You got to find the football from the wide receiver standpoint too, not just a quarterback finding the passing window to deliver it. Works both ways there. Otherwise, the football is on top of you and you don't even know it is. And that's exactly what happened to Odell. So I am not going to write a column on why they should trade Odell, not doing it. Some people are doing it. Uh, I still need more evidence. We'll see. They got big opportunities coming up. We're going to track this game against the Cardinals. A lot of things going on with the Cardinals organization. Chandler Jones dealing with his COVID-19 designation. We're going to talk to our guest, see if he has a chance to play in this game. Let's go ahead and do that. Let's get over to our guest, Damian Parsons, who does a fantastic job, Damian does. You should follow him, not just because of uh, Cardinals coverage and understanding he's our guest here, but Damian also does great draft content at Cover One which Cover 1 expands to more teams than just Buffalo. They go all over the place. He's at DP underscore NFL. He's a staff writer for Revenge of the Birds. That's where he gets into his coverage of the Cardinals. Gives us good insights on both sides of the football, a little bit about their coach too, uh, both coaches, both uh, Cliff Kingsbury and, and uh, Vance Joseph, who are doing a nice job there. Cover everything you need here. Let's get over to that interview right now with Damian Parson. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, welcoming in Damian Parson. How are you, my man? Doing good, brother. Appreciate you having me on, man. All right. Yeah, no, of course. This is the only person I could think of when talking about the Cardinals. They're 5-0. and They're 5-0 and off to one of their best starts in, I would think, franchise history, right? Talk to me about mm-hmm. these five games, how they've got here, what's good, what's bad, what you're worried about, what you feel great about, all of it. Tell us what's going on. Man, it, it's been a fun ride. It's been a fun ride, you know, coming out, you know, week one against Tennessee and, and just playing a thorough, thorough game, just top to bottom, offense, defense, um, the offense is rolling, you know, and even when the offense hasn't been, you know, about two games, I believe, it, it, the offense has kind of struggled a little bit. 
Um, you know, especially against San Fran, it's a divisional game. You kind of expect that, right? But um, the defense has been great. And the one that killed, the one spot that everyone views to be Achilles heel was the secondary. But I love what Vance Joseph is doing. Um, you know, having Marco rotating Marco Wilson and, and Robert Alford, um, even using Antonio Hamilton as well on the on the outside as the boundary corner, the outside corner, um, along with Byron Murphy has been just a stud. Just what he's been able to do, taking that step as basically CB1 for this secondary. And we all know what Buda Baker is able to do. Deontay Thompson is, is a um, he's a, a serviceable safety as well. He kind of plays more so in the box and, and truly in the deep, um, the deep portion of the field. But the, you know, playing a lot of off coverage, keeping everything in front of them, not allowing you know, to anything, really anything over over their heads. Uh, I think coming into th- this past week, the defense, the secondary, only allowed seven receptions over 20 yards, you know, in the air. So it's showing that they're putting a tight cap on the passing game um, and, and just really holding teams underneath, rallying to the ball. And, of course, you know, the two young linebackers that we have with Zavian uh, Collins and uh, Isaiah Simmons have been great. And I love love what J- Vance is doing with the linebacker core as well. Uh, just use, Not just using those two as well, but Jordan Hicks. Uh, and if anybody remembers, during the offseason, you know, when they brought in Zavian, after they drafted them, there was a lot of talks to, hey, we're going to let Hicks – and try to facilitate a trade. Well, that trade never manufactured, never came came to. And because it never came to, they're using all three of these guys. They're using Zavin, Isaiah Simmons, and Jordan Hicks on the field at the same time. And it's giving us more speed, more athleticism. And then Hicks, of course, being the veteran, can kind of call plays for the defense, get these guys lined up right, and, and, and help them out a lot. Yeah, let's let's continue on the defense a little bit here because you talked about Vance Joseph, who's really you know reshaping his image as a DC. What they're able to do here, it ties into the biggest news we've heard this week, and two real big nuggets of news for the for the side of the Cardinals. I mean, listen, the Browns' injury list is as long as as uh, as scripture at this point, but they haven't really ruled many people out. But Chandler Jones with the COVID nineteen list, it's going to be a challenge for Chandler to come back. How do they? overcome that you know you talk a little secondary little linebackers the pass rush with JJ and Chandler and some of these others is obviously wildly important how do they overcome that who do they replace them with and 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 you know just update us a little bit on how their front has been playing this year the front, the front has played well. Um, and, and, you know, Vance done a good job kind of mixing guys in. And according to the matchups, of course, one of my, one of the guys I want to see uh, see more, especially in this game potentially with the the mixture. We talked, you know, last time I was on about just how how versatile your Browns, deep, you know, the uh, the run game is in terms of the O line, the blocking schemes. When Chubb's in, you see more zone. When when Kareem's in, you see more man, more power, more downhill thumping type of runs. But then he still both of them can interchange and run both styles as well. So it's so it's kind of frustrating. Well, not even kind of. It's really frustrating for a defense. Um, so not having Chandler, it's just a huge blow. I want to see Lecky Fotu play a lot more um, on the D line. He's he's a physical big guy and he could two gap can uh, push the pocket. You know, penetrate as well. Him, Rashad Lawrence is playing well. Corey Peters, the elder statesman, has been a very uh, solid player as well in the middle of that defense. And of course, JJ Watt. You know, when teams aren't able to, when teams are are, are trying to run in that direction, he commands a lot of attention. To if if Chandler Jones does miss, 
uh, this game. I'm looking at Victor. Uh, I hate to pronounce this kid's name. <laughs> I always mess it up. Demu. Dimakaji. Um, I remember him because we we it. studied Victor like crazy. We liked him out yes. of Duke, man. Yes, I, yeah, I, I love I love them coming out short, stocky, just kind of bowling ball frame, but explosive off the ball. I've, I look at him. There's you know uh, Marquise Golden who plays a lot of outside linebacker stand up, and Devon Kennard, another stand up guy, uh, big frame. You know, watching him against, uh, I believe against Jacksonville, they were trying to run run the ball to him, you know, his direction, sending some uh, uh, counter or power power play, sending that guard uh, down the line, and, and he, he just stuffs him. You know, give him same foot, same shoulder, met him with physicality. I love watching that from him. So those are the guys I'm looking to see. Uh, those are the three guys I think that could potentially – of try to fill in, and not just one guy. I think that we may see all three of them just throw different bodies at at the uh, O line at the tackle spot. Is uh, is Wills coming back this week? Uh, they do. They do have both of them as questionable. Jed is limited today. We'll see where it goes from here. He was playing every week up until last week. Uh, Conklin on the right side dealing with a knee. He was out today, but they have him as questionable too we'll see yeah that that'll i mean you know if they have to play blake hans and they have to play uh rodney hud or sorry not rodney hudson but james hudson then it'll be it'll be a challenge right yeah yeah because one thing that that vance is also doing like i said he's using the three linebackers what he'll do is he'll put zavin and hicks inside and then throw isaiah simmons as a as an edge defender basically outside linebacker or even in the overhang and he either drops off into coverage, he'll blitz, or he'll come off the edge. He'll pretty much set the edge against the run. He has been so good defensively. And then, then of course, on passing downs, they move him back to a linebacker spot, you know, back ends between the hashes and let him drop off in the coverage and disrupt passing lanes. Um, he has an interception on the season. I believe he has two passes defended, and he's also caused two fumbles. So he's around the ball, he's making plays on the ball, and he's being really effective right now. Well, the defense is playing really well. Uh, they, they have held most opponents in check. You talk about that secondary. It's going to be a challenge for Cleveland. Baker Mayfield mentioned today how well they do diversifying what they do on the front, how well they do diversifying what they do in coverage, and it should be a real unique challenge for Cleveland, and it will be too because you know what Cleveland brings in the run game cannot be slept on. I mean, I no. talk about this at, at nauseum, Damon, about you know your your success, not your success, but the per, the perspective of your offense success is so often built around quarterback play, right? You feel good or bad based on how your quarterback's playing. But what we miss too often with Cleveland is how well the running game is playing. And I have yet to see a defense in neutral game situations, right? Not where Cleveland's trying to play catch up, but when they're either behind in a one score game or they're out in front or neutral or blowing somebody out. Nobody stops it. I have yet to see a team truly stop Cleveland's run game. Is Arizona capable of finding ways to stop it, or do you think that they would prefer to say, let those guys get theirs, we're not going to let Baker in the passing game beat us, and we'll play kind of how the Chargers did, right, which is to score more points? Man, I don't I don't believe that they can stop it. The main thing is going to be limited. So on first and second downs, when you have to be at your A your A game basically for for the Arizona front. Uh, the one thing about it 
that I think is really big, and I highlighted it when I, I was studying before the uh, you know the season opener against Tennessee. I was studying um, Derrick Henry, and one of the things that I really noticed was the type of runner he is. He's an anticipatory cutback runner for a guy his size. He likes to, in that zone outside stretch run game that Tennessee runs. He likes to press the perimeter at his pace. Watch the, you know, because it's Derrick Henry. Your linebackers are typically trying to flow over the top to corral him and close him in, box him in. And the moment he sees your linebackers shoulders square and parallel to the sideline and they're they're overly committed to, to the perimeter, he cuts off of it. He's looking for the cutback lane so much. And that was one of the things I wanted to see from the linebackers. Were they disciplined enough to just to, to scrape, stay square? You know, hey, you f- you fill, I flow, and make sure that they really truly box him in, and they did a great job with that. That's going to be key against Nick Chubb and when he's running the, the zone, as well as um, when when Kareem Hunt's in there. Be understanding what running backs in, what do they do best. Kareem Hunt is better going downhill just because he his footwork, his his feel for what's going on around him is so innate. It's so. Good. He just his contact balance is ridiculous. Amazing core strength. So you got to know, hey, we have to rally. One guy is not just bringing Kareem Hunt or Nick Chubb down. So know which black back is in the game, what they do well, and what they really feed off of, and counter that. And that's what the linebackers have to come into play. Whether that's Isaiah Simmons on the edge and, and and trying to force Nick Chubb to cut up into Zayvon Collins and Jordan Hicks. Or when you have Kareem Hunt in and he's trying to barrel barrel inside, that's where Rashad Lawrence and Zach Allen and J.J. Watt have to close that gaps in the, in between the tackles and force Kareem Hunt to jump cut and bounce outside to Isaiah Simmons and, and watch Zayvon Collins flow over the top. So that's going to be really big. I expect to see Buda Baker close to the line of scrimmage as well. Um, not so much, and not even really just to challenge Baker to throw it deep, but more so, hey, first and second downs, like I said a minute ago, are the crucial downs, you know, to, in terms of slowing this this offense down, slow down the run game, make it third and seven, make it third and eight, third and nine, and then make put the, all the weight on Baker's shoulders, and then, of course, you play to the sticks and back, do not give anything over the top, let make him throw it short and, and rally for the tackle. Easier said than done with these running backs, Absolutely. man. They're so good. You know it. You broke them down. We talked about them this offseason. They're just like the perfect yin and yang, man. They are yes. like this the style at which Fam- those dudes play. My favorite play. duo in the league, man. Yeah, and I try to tell Browns fans they 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 will probably never see anything like it again in their lifetimes. Like just oh the, no, the way I don't think anybody out. will. No, I really don't think anyone will see because te- I mean we and we talked about it. You have two number one running backs on the same team, and they How work in harmony together, right? Like they somehow work in harmony together. They don't share the field. They just ha- Cleveland has a great feel for how to you know use these dudes at the right time, and and, and it's 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 uncanny. It is. It really. It's, it's a tough. It's a tough situation because again, both of them are fast, physical, strong, contact balance, all of it. Right. Then you have Kareem Hunt, who can actually run routes at 225 pounds, and he's running out and ups and double moves and slants and. <laughs> yeah. It's just like, man, seriously. But then that's that's kind of the beauty of of what. You know, Steve Kahn was able to do going after Zayvon Collins and having Isaiah Simmons is going to be big in terms of especially trying to limit Kareem Hunt in the passing game. That is going to be big because a lot that when he comes in, 
he gives you more of the run pass option. I don't, we always talk about, you know, RPO is so uh, fluent in terms of, you know, okay, are we actually running it? Are we passing it? But I look at running backs the same way. When I look at a back, do you give me run pass option as a player? And Kareem Hunt does that exceptionally well. Listen, we could talk Browns running backs all day. We really could. But we got to go back to your <laughs> Cardinals here. Talk about the offense. Cliff came in this year a little bit on the hot seat, a little bit, mm-hmm. a tinge of hot seat. They've obviously started this 5-0 and stretch. Is the offense carrying them? Well, I know Kyler's in the talk for MVP. Like, I haven't watched a single down of the Cardinals. I'll try to catch them here at the end of the week. But, like, give people like, uh, you know, myself and, and fans – uh, that listen to this podcast, like what do the Cardinals do? What should Browns fans expect them to do? And who's really playing well from a skill position between the wide receivers, quarterback, running back, like what's going on there? Right now is a well-oiled machine for the most part. It's it's a lot of moving parts, a lot, you know, a lot of window dressing. If I'm not mistaken, I didn't pull – uh, the numbers before the show, I should have. I was doing it, and then my son got my attention. Um, but um, I believe they lead the they lead the league, or they were leading the league um, in um, ten personnel. So basically, you know, for four four receivers, one running back, no tight end, they would go spread, empty it out, give Kyler um, that he gives him a, literally a three level look where he has the underneath if he wants it. He has the intermediate and he has the deep route. And and literally it's almost been a kind of pick them in terms of picking your poison. And I could, I've tweeted a few times and I've seen it early in, in the season, the first couple games, defense is, is DeAndre Hopkins, right? You cannot disrespect DeAndre Hopkins and say, you know what? They have these new pieces. We're not going to double you. No, you still double DeAndre Hopkins just because that's DeAndre Hopkins. You have to respect him. But in, t- in, in turn, when doubling him, Christian Kirk has been feeding off of one-on-one in man coverage. He's been one of our – I think he's been our highest-graded receiver per PFF. I think with a 95 grade, I believe, against man coverage. A.J. Green has, has, has been having a resurgence as well, and they moved him in and out of the slot. One thing I love about Cliff, Cliff has kind of opened up his play-calling bag. And I, I was tough on him last year, but during the offseason and studying the offense, I understood watching the offense last year, it, there wasn't enough weapons, man. I, I lied to you not. It, the weapons last year just weren't enough, Jake, for him to really open the playbook and really – let this offense thrive and let it breathe. You know, you're trying to rely on Andy Isabella, who just isn't reliable as a route runner, you know, effort-wise, catching the football, none of it. So now when you have Christian Kirk, not as the number two, but he's like the number three. And then, you know, A.J. Green moving him in the slot, giving a big slot role similar to uh, Larry Fitzgerald on certain sets and getting switch releases with him and Christian Kirk. But the piece that really sets the table is Rondell Moore. Because he's he's giving you that kind of Randall Cobb, and that's that was the my my comp for him in this offense. Line him up in the backfield because you there there are sets where we we you'll see in a kind of a, a pro I think it's the uh, called the King Pistol, um, and, and you have Chase Edmonds in the backfield. You have Kyler Murray, and then flanking him on the right or the left, you'll see uh, Rondell Moore and Rondell Moore take a sweep. They're kind of, you know, run look, it looks like an option look off of it when it's actually a pass. He's getting creative with the play calling. And the offensive line has, you know, Rodney Hudson, who is out this game. And, and, and that we're, we're going to talk about that anyway, just to kind of give you some insight of what, why he has been. Kyler Murray is an MVP candidate, right? Rodney Hudson 
maybe, in my opinion, the co-MVP of this team because last year Kyler was uncomfortable stepping into the pocket because Mason Cole was getting bombarded and put at 292 pounds. He was getting manhandled a lot of times, getting pushed back into the lap of Kyler, and Kyler then had to escape from the on the perimeter, escape out wide. What defenses were starting to do last year, Jake, later on in the season when you saw us going that skid, defense started sending because they knew that he couldn't step up in the pocket because the interior O-line, and they knew he was exiting out the back door. They were sending someone to the back door. You saw a lot of nickel blitzes, safety blitzes off the edge, to corral him and, and force him into bad throws, bad reads, or just sacks altogether. But with Rodney Hudson, he has, on the season so far, Rodney Hudson has not given up a pressure, a hurry, no QB hits, and no sacks through, through five games. He's been phenomenal. And truly, Kyler has been comfortable because of it. So in this offense right now, everyone, like it, it, it's a pick em. In terms of what what role player, the the thing this game, which will be also be different, is Max Williams not being there. He's really important in the run game. Well, Hudson's out too, for, right? That, did I read yeah, that? Yeah, Hudson's right? out. Yep, Hudson's yeah. out. Um, and then of course Max Williams took the the I think it was a, a helmet to the knee. Knee bent the way it should not. You know, the knees aren't supposed to bend the way that his <laughs> bent. Yeah. And um, you know he's out for the season with the knee injury. So that's that's a, a big blow because he has a great rapport. He's ex- in the passing game. He's extremely efficient. But he has a great rapport with Kyler, and then he's so good in the run game for us as well on the perimeter and in the split action zone. Because to be honest with you, when you see Chase Edmonds in the backfield in that shotgun or in the pistol, typically nine times out of ten, it's split inside zone. I'm just going to be honest with you. That's exactly what's going to happen. You're going to see that that tight end yeah. coming across the formation post-snap, and or, or you may see a ghost motion ghost motion with the split action where you know you may see Rondell Moore showing the jet motion possible for a potential touch, uh, uh, touch pass uh, off the jet action or um, into a screen. You know, to move the leverage of the linebackers, but typically when you see Chase Edmonds, he's running between the tackles in the inside zone in the inside zone scenario. So losing Max Williams is going to hurt us, I believe, in the passing game and in the run game, and that's where I think Rondell Moore comes in to kind of fill those short, quick touches. Yeah, because that's what Max was really working with. He was teams are so focused on the receivers, he runs an inside button hook, Jake, and it's like five yards separation because no one's worried about Max Williams. Yeah. And it's like, boom, he hits it. He getting yards after catch. So it's, it's going to be. I got the data. With- I found it here to back <laughs> you up. So they've run 133, 11 personnel snaps, which is not many. That's 30th. Mm-hmm. That's the 30th rank in the NFL. So uh, they, they, here's where you get spicy, right? They run uh, 71, 10 personnel snaps this year. That's mm-hmm. number one in the NFL. 12 personnel, they've run 20, sorry, 73, which is 23%. So that's 14th in the NFL. So they're really where they differ, and it'll be completely different from Cleveland, who I don't think has played a single snap this year in, in 10 personnel, is that approach. And some other things that stand out to me too here before we keep going. They are uh, in the huddle, or sorry, in the shotgun a ton. Third, Cleveland is the la- the last ranked shotgun team. 285 snaps for the Cardinals in, in shotgun. That is third in the NFL. I know Pittsburgh's usually up there, too, because Ben's old knees yeah. won't let him go anywhere. No huddle. <laughs> they run 105 no huddle snaps. That's second in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Here, let's give you some perspective. Let's go look at Cleveland so you can see the two different approach styles. 
So Cleveland has run no huddle 11 times, period, all year. That's 27th wow. in the NFL. 151 shotgun snaps, 31st in the NFL. Now, where they differ is motion. Cleveland has run 153 snaps of motion. That's fourth in the NFL, while the Cardinals have run uh, only 78 snaps of motion, which is 29th in the league. But again, here's where they make up for it. You run 74 play action passes. That's third in the NFL. RPO, they've run 53, which is fourth in the NFL. So that's where they thrive. They run 24 yep. screen plays, fourth in the NFL, and they run because they're in the gun and because they're using that 10 personnel you're talking about, Damien. They've they've run into four, uh, light boxes, 62 snaps into light mm-hmm. run boxes, which is fourth in the NFL too. So that's how you can create some run yards. So, um, And that helps yeah. James Conner a lot because James Conner, I wasn't really a fan of the signing at first, but I kind of understood where they wanted to go. In the red zone, James Conner is the guy. You know, he's you know that's his thing, you know, running between tackles, being physical. Early in the season, like the first two or three weeks, James Conner was quite frustrating studying him from a running back perspective because instead of him being the big physical back, hey, let me get this three, four yards and, and keep the offense on schedule, he ran into a wall, and instead of being able to, to just drive – He's he's trying to jump cut, and I'm like, that's not your game. That's not what you do well, and that got us into some bad down the distances when he did that. He jump cut outside, try to you know <laughs> hit turbo, and there's not much in the tank. You don't have much loss, man. So like guys are cutting you off and getting you for for tackles for loss. Now these past I think two games, he's not doing that as much. He's Okay, I'm staying on the path, staying on the path. Because there's one thing is if you're Christian McCaffrey, Alvin Kamara, some some of these more talented, twitchier backs, they can deviate from the runs from the run path, right? But a back like James Conner needs to stick with it unless legitimately there's a gaping hole that you can just sidestep into and then uh and, and try to explode through. But uh he he in the red zone, you're gonna that's where you're gonna see him step in. I'll be honest with you. One thing I would look for in this game, honestly, Jake, once it gets into the red zone, Kyler Murray in the art in the run in the read option game, trying to possibly read Miles Garrett, trying to force him, you know, down either to take James Conner, and if he doesn't, that's one less defender you have to worry about because Kyler's gonna hold him, or if he does, you know, decide to take James Conner, Kyler's going off the backside right and going to basically replace Miles Garrett. And that's that's the other part that I, want, I was going to mention as well. The battle between Miles Garrett and DJ Humphreys is going to be a very telling tale on how this game ends for both of our squads. Because right now, through, through the five games, per PFF, um, DJ Humphrey has an overall pass blocking grade of 77.1 through, through the first five games. Through five games, he's allowed nine pressures, seven hurries, no hits, or well, you know, besides two sacks, right? Now, when they looked at the pressures, six of those pressures came from week two and three against Minnesota and Jacksonville were probably two of the two games that he struggled in terms of pressures. He had six combined between those two games, um, and three from the other from the other game. So watching him, he's playing well for the most part, you know, just confident and he's underrated as well in my opinion he's going up against a freak he's going up against to me the best edge defender the best pass rusher in football off the edge and miles garrett and that is going it's going to be telling if cliff sends james if he puts james Conner in simply as a chip guy you know what i mean just to go out there and hey hit 
Miles Garrett as hard as possible. Um, and, and that's going to be telling. The other matchup I'm looking at the offensive line is is Beecham, Kelvin Beecham, and when and I'm not sure if Javion Clowney is back this week, but Tack McKinley showed me a lot. He's you know when he's in, he he's 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 looked good, and especially last week getting pressure uh, as well. So that's another matchup I'm looking forward to. Um, is keeping the 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 perimeters set. So because one thing about it, if you can maintain and hold the perimeters. And you know this. You can dub, you can duo block and combo block on the inside if necessary. I do. It'll be fascinating to watch that matchup. I mean, Miles has pretty much got the best of everybody. Who's on the uh as we close on the offense here, good points on the running back situation. Uh who's who's the other tackle that they have to deal with, Clowney or Tack, who are both playing pretty good football too? Uh so you got Kelvin Beecham and then uh Josh Jones is at right guard. And I believe it's either at you know we have Justin Pugh uh, has been at left guard this year, and I think so. On looking at the depth chart, of course, behind uh, Hudson is Max Garcia. So uh, it's going to be interesting. I'm keeping tabs on everything. Uh, trying to keep tabs on everything in practice on who will be the starter for Hudson um, in or this week against you guys. All right, this has been great, Damien. I really appreciate it, man. What is your uh, prediction here as we head out? Uh, you know, listen, you're, you're dealing with Browns fans. They're going to come find you if you're wrong. So I'm going to give you that caveat. What do you think is going to happen? I know it. I, know. I think it's going to be a good game. Uh, I think it's going to be a tough game for, you know, just a very hard-nosed game. Man, I'm going to go cards. I think the passing game, because of the fact that, that now Cliff has – you know, he, even last year, he was getting the ball out quick last year, mainly because of lack of weapons, and they were force-feeding, you know, um, DeAndre Hopkins. Now that's not the case. You know, I think A.J. Green and, and Christian Kirk and, and having Rondell Moore. Rondell Moore is that my X factor for this game. Um, in the run game, I think you're going to see some of him, a, a couple handoffs, but I think he's going to be the guy that's going to try and, you know, take some of the production uh, the missing production from Max Williams. I think he's going to be the X factor in this game. I am going Cardinals, and I think it's going to be a close game, but I'm picking the Cardinals to win. All right, man. This has been great. Two clashes of styles coming to Cleveland. They will be completely different approaches to the game in terms of the modern NFL, but it should, should, should be a fun game to watch. I believe the Cardinals are at two and a half right now uh, on the favorite side, so the uh, the Vegas line thinks that they are – uh, even in the neutral field, multiple points better, up to five points better. So the Browns are the underdog here. We'll see how it shakes out. Should be a great game. little late start here. We never get a 4 o'clock game in Cleveland. Should be a ton of fun. Damian, thanks for <laughs> thanks for enlightening us here in Browns territory about your Cardinals and taking time for us. Hey, thank you for having me on, man. Big thanks to Damian for coming on today's show, providing those insights. It's always a big ask of somebody to take their time 20, 30, 40 minutes to talk about a team on a podcast, really for no no money, no return, just time asked, and I appreciate that from him. I am thinking about also taking my time on Mondays at 8 o'clock after the first hour of Monday Rewind to literally just sit down and go through the All-22 film. I'm just going to do it because I'm doing it anyway. You can come in and join when you'd like. You can leave when you'd like. You can come in and ask questions about particular plays and check it out, and I can show it to you and go through it. Uh, thinking about an interactive way of doing that that is more for the Twitch, uh, interactive with you guys getting chances to ask questions and less sort of lectury. I still will do Tuesday Chalk Talks with Kyle and John and do Baker as well, uh, specifically, but 
just considering doing that, let me know, DM me or, or whatever. You can hit me up on Twitter or whatever, you know, just let me know if that's of interest to you, if you would like to, because nobody else is showing all 22 film on Mondays. I wouldn't mind showing that and having it as a means of conversation and just uh, going through the film. Maybe you're into it. Maybe you're not. Let me know. I just am trying to find a way to make this whole thing more interactive. So that's a means to do so on Twitch. I think it would be great. Otherwise, thanks for joining today. Your continued support through reviews, sharing the podcast, everything means the world to me. You guys have been great. I have hats going out later this week to those who won, and I am trying my best to figure out a new spot to print some new ones. So I'll uh, I'll keep you in the loop if you're interested in those. So uh, otherwise, guys, have a great, great Thursday. I think it's going to be Thursday. Should be Thursday. Enjoy your Thursday. We'll be back tomorrow with Fridays with John Colosimo, where we look around the NFL, look around the AFC North, and have a good old conversation about how the Browns end up beating the Cardinals. Thanks for joining today and listening. Sign off with our usual. Go Browns.